Well, good morning. Happy Sabbath. I want to thank Pastor Rob for giving us an opportunity to share a couple things that we are thankful for this year. I'm told to stay under four minutes, so I brought a timer. <laughs> and we're setting it for eight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Karina and I recently came across a great story um, about the founders of a ministry called Voice to the Martyrs. It's in Oklahoma. Pastor and Mrs. Wormbrand, they were Romanian-born atheistic Jews under communist dictatorship in Romania. They converted to Christianity in their early 20s and spent many years in prison suffering cold, hunger, horrible tortures for their faith in and proclamation of Christ Jesus. Mrs. Wormbrand tells how while in prison, instead of complaining about their circumstances, she along with other Christian ladies started to use Psalm 107 verse 1 as their greeting. And that verse, of course, says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, they would say to one another. And it changed the whole atmosphere of the prison from one of depression to actual joy. We are thankful today that we have religious liberty still in this land and that God's word is still able to transform each one of us. Yes, and, and Beth, I, you know, you, Beth, right? <laughs> Jean? Beth. Where did I get Jean. that? Anyway, Jean, thank you for, um, in your prayer, I noticed that one of the first things you mentioned was the freedom that we have. We're so thankful for that. And I'm extra thankful, too, that pastors are not in prison, you know, and, and pastors' wives are free. And we're, um, so we have so much, and I'm thankful for the opportunity this morning to share, too, um, about how thankful I am. You know, back when Joel pastored in, in Cadillac, Michigan, I remember teaching the upper graders. Um, a Thanksgiving song. Be thankful for the good things that you've got. Uh, the good things that you've got are for many just a dream. I just remember that song. And we do have so much to be thankful for. Um, thankful for my parents. Today and every day, um, my dad began dreaming of freedom from barbed wire fences when he was just a teenager. And he and my mom and my uncle an aunt secured passports into another communist country and then made their way to the borders of Italy and escaped into Italy. And that was back in the 70s. Uh, dad, my dad was exactly our elder son's age. He was just 32 years old. Actually, our son is 32 today. So um, anyway, so they had left us at home, a total of five of us, uh, with our grandparents who didn't know a thing about their plans. And actually, even my mom and my aunt didn't know uh, about their plan to never come back. And um, anyway, when they, when they got to freedom, my dad got out of the car and actually knelt down and kissed the ground. And I was just thinking, you know, that's dramatic, but that's so true. It's so precious to have that freedom. And I was just thinking, when's the last time I bent down and kissed the ground or just knelt and, and prayed and uh, prayed for the leaders of our country here for sure, as they need great wisdom in these times. Um, if you could switch to the first slide or the second slide. Yeah, that's a picture of them in Italy. Uh, they went on a hunger strike so that we children could get out of Romania. And uh, so they didn't eat for three weeks. And so uh, I'm just extra thankful for everything that they did. And so we kids were able to, to get out legally. 
We came to America with the help of a sponsor, and we settled in the Chicago area. And you know, even with its problems uh, here in America, this country is, is just awesome. And I, I don't need to tell you that, but I, I just am so thankful. You know, small things like just the remodeling project that we have planned for this, this church. It wasn't easy under communism. Literature was hard to come by. You couldn't just print um, books, wonderful children's books. There was no such thing as colorful or Christian schools. What a blessing to have our own, own church school here or be able to teach mm -hmm. them at home, um, give them a Christian education. Uh, Sabbath school quarterlies, only half the church was able to have them. And, uh, and sometimes here I catch myself skipping a day now and then, I'm ashamed. But anyway, just blessings from all over. And, and Christian education, going back to that for a moment, that's where I met Joel 35 years ago. This, this month we celebrated 35 years, and we're just thankful for that. He's the most patient man in the world. <laughs> but we have, we have plenty to eat at Thanksgiving if you want to advance it to the next slide. Um, we celebrated our anniversary with, a, with a, a new kitchen, more or less, but we have plenty to eat. We're so thankful. And, um, and then also the last slide that I had was uh, the next one. Yeah, and that, that represented to me um, a little blunder. This happened last Saturday night. <laughs> we, we were so excited about getting a new dishwasher. And it sounds like I'm going all over the place here, but I have so much to be thankful for. Um, you know, God is a God that is not taken by surprise in any situation. I'm so thankful for that. Um, Joel and our younger son, Alex, who's 28, spent several hours putting in our new dishwasher, and we hadn't realized we were so excited, but we didn't realize that we couldn't then open our kitchen drawer until the next morning when I went to get a spoon. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And so thankfully, Lowe's took it back and they went through all the trouble and put, it, put a new one in. But anyway, I was just thankful. God, you are, you know, and you know our path and, you, and you're there for us whenever, whenever you need us or we need you and good times and the bad times. Amen. So brothers and sisters, we all have much that we can thank the Lord for. Whether we have little or we have lot, whether we're free or whether we are not, uh, we can all together say Psalm 107, 1, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy indeed endures forever. Pastor Rob asked me to share a little bit of my life, which is uh, apparently I can say it's unconventional. I, uh, was born in Nuremberg, Germany, right as the war ended. Uh, it was uh, it's about, I guess it's over at the time when my father decided what an army, American ar army soldier was stationed there. He met this pretty little German girl and you can probably imagine what happened. And uh, I came along. I uh, briefly, they came to the United States, I lived there briefly, but things didn't work out with a lot of marriages. Uh, that took place uh, during the war. And uh, I got shipped back to Germany with the agreement that my grandmother would raise me. So I was there until all the way through second grade in going to school in Germany. And uh, uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I love my grandmother dearly, Oma. She's a sweet lady. And then 
One day, without any warning to me, I was taken to the airport, put in an airplane by myself, and shipped to the United States, about a 15, 16 hour flight. Um, it was kind of devastating to me because I loved that dear lady that was taking care of me through my formative years, early years in Germany. Put it on this airplane and it landed eventually at Idlewild Airport in New York. Uh, I guess they call it Kennedy Airport now. And uh, I met these strangers, a lady that claimed she was my mother and uh, the man that she married afterwards, my stepfather. And the life uh, was interesting, I guess is the best way I could describe it. Uh, not always the best. Uh, stepfather, he liked uh, to imbibe with uh, certain beverages that were not healthy for him. And when he was under that, life was miserable. And when he was sober, he was one of the nicest men going. Just uh, so that was my life as I went on. But to move ahead, uh, the, the part that I really wanted to share with is uh, how God looked after me. I. Uh, was eventually drafted into the United States Army. I was sent to Vietnam, a nice, uh, safe place, not, and uh, had a lot of interesting times there. But it, it went pretty well. Whenever the rockets came in, exploded, I was usually far enough away and I could make it to the bunker in time, and nothing ever hit directly on the bunker, so it was good. Well, one night, uh, one afternoon actually, because uh, I had been busy during the day, so I was gonna go to the latrine, shower, and shave, and give myself pretty again so I could be passable. And uh, on the way to the latrine, uh, a great big bang right by me, a big explosion right by me. And uh, that explosion picked me up and threw me about 20 feet right to the latrine where I was heading to shave, through the door, and landed in a, if anybody's ever watched Super, not saying that you did, but uh, if you watch Superman, you see how he jumps and flies. And that's a picture I had in my mind, uh, what happened. I flew through the air like that, right through the doorway, and landed uh, inside the doorway on the concrete. And unfortunately, I had my little electric shaver that my uh, father had just sent me. And uh, when I landed, it was under my hips and crushed the shaver. And my hip didn't appreciate it very much either. But that's all. And uh, think when you get stressed out how you, you react to some things. Uh, I was really, really mad because my shaver was broken. And uh, it took a while and it dawned on me, wait a minute. It was a big explosion. You flew through the air like Superman, landed, and there's no shrapnel in me. How can that be? When those things blow up, shrapnel flies, and uh, nothing in me whatsoever. That really got me to thinking. Over the years, even thought about it. Why? Why am I alive right now? So, but uh, it took another 15 years before God finally got my full attention. Uh, so, I don't want to go into it, but when. Uh, I got out of the army. I wanted to get in something nice and safe. Uh, so uh, like a confused person, I joined the police department. 
So I spent another 33 years in a nice, safe occupation in the police department, and you can imagine uh, somebody was always making certain that I get into situations that uh, were not safe, and uh, you know, some it was serious. I I uh, was in a situation. I, I don't want to discuss it, but it was not a nice thing. Um, basically, I got into a place where the man was trying to kill me, and uh, I didn't want to be killed. Um, so I had to do the thing that most policemen don't ever want to do. Contrary to what television shows show, policemen do not want to go and hurt anybody. But uh, it was in a situation where what I had to do really disturbed me because I always tried to be peaceful. I always tried to, when I worked in the department, I always tried to get people to talk it out and work it out. And I was always shy to show a lot of patience. And uh, this was just the opposite. And, uh, but God still remembered me. And uh, I was uh, so disturbed, I didn't know what to do with my life. And I got to the point where I said, God, I cannot take this anymore. I've been through a number of things in my life that doesn't make any sense. You know, I kept always this time, I kept in my mind what happened in Vietnam. How I should have been shredded by, by all the shrapnel that went flying. Why didn't it? Why, why, why did it go another direction and flew me any other way? I don't understand that. But I prayed to God. I had had bad experiences with churches during my time. Once I went to, uh, frankly, most people, they were not very friendly at all there. That's an important thing, is when you have somebody new, make sure you be friendly to them. Because I was ignored, all these other churches, so I was never was happy with it. So, but I prayed to God, I said, you know, I need something. Two weeks later, I got a little card in the mail, Come to the seminar, and it sounded really exciting. It was at a church, Marshall, Michigan, and uh, my uh, wife saw it also. And separately, we both decided, hey, you know what? We ought to do that. It'd be something to do, something interesting. But I and I remember when we walked into that building in Marshall. You know, my life had been in turmoil at that time, upset, hurting. I walked into the building and instantly I was at peace. God, God's Holy Spirit was there. He gave me peace, finally, through all the things in my life that uh, were not great and a lot of pain I suffered over time, being ripped away from the person I loved in Germany and all the subsequent situations, God finally gave me peace when I was in there, and I knew this is where I belonged. And then they were putting on seminars, and for the first time in my life, as I was looking at the seminars, they made sense. I was able to understand what they're saying, it matched the Bible, and all my other experiences, it never made any sense to what they were saying, and this one made sense, and when I was in that building, in that church in Marshall, I was at peace finally. And I have never regretted being part of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm thankful that God, I am thankful that God is in this church 
and uh, I pray that everybody's heart would be open to accept God in their lives because it's, it's amazing. Thank you. Philippians chapter 4. Have you found in Christ your everything? Have you found Christ to be your joy? I hope so. Thank you, Alexia, for that song. Philippians chapter 4. Just a brief prayer and a brief, very brief look at this passage. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for being our God, for being our Father, and for sending Jesus on the most expensive errand in the universe, and that would be to save our souls. Oh, how can we not rejoice when we think of the great salvation that you have proffered down upon this race and that we have accepted and that we rejoice in today. Be with us in just this short drill down on your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. What's well, there in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4? And it's actually a command. How can you command somebody to rejoice? But that's exactly what he does. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Your rejoicing, my rejoicing doesn't come in our circumstances. It doesn't come in our relationships on earth primarily. Our rejoicing comes in the Lord. Amen? Psalms 16 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. That is, God will show you the path of life. Not your spouse, not your kids, not your parents. God will show you the path of life. In his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures evermore. Do you have that relationship with the Lord Jesus today? That's what he wants for you, that life and life more abundantly with him as your joy and the center of everything else, right? All those other things are good, relationships, family, but they flow from our rejoicing in the Lord. Verse five, let your gentleness be known to all men. Let your graciousness, let your forbearance, let your unselfishness, let your tolerance, let your patience be known to all men. Oh, to have a church full of people like that. Oh, to have a church with a pastor like that. Is that how someone would describe you? Man, he is the most patient man on earth. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> um, but as unselfish, right, as tolerant, patience, that's the, what God is wanting us to, um, to have in our lives, that kind of a spirit. Are you known for that? I pray that you may be known for that. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord 
is, and this is the New King James, at hand. But that is not a statement of chronology as much as it is proximity, right? I used to think for a long time, okay, the Lord is coming soon. Well, he is coming soon, but that's not what this text is saying. It says, the Lord is near. He's near to every one of us, amen? He's close. It's not about a time element, but proximity. He's close to every one of us. And that is Satan's work to try to get all of us to think he's as far off as possible. But it's the Lord's everlasting effort to get men to find out that he is near to everyone, as near as possible. In fact, the scriptures say he's not far from every one of us. That was the great trouble with heathenism. They were to think that God was so far away and he was filled with anger and the only way to get him happy was to make some offerings, do something. But he was not far from every one of them all the time. Not far, that is near. So near that all they had to do was feel after him. Although they were blind and in the dark too, all they had to do was feel after him and they would find him. The Jews also, the great trouble with the Jews from beginning to end was in having the Lord so far away that even the things which God had given to show that he was close, they flipped them upside down and said, that means he's far away like the sanctuary service. He's away off yonder somewhere. And we must make ourselves good to bring him near. Then the papacy comes in and again puts Christ and God so far away that nobody can come near to them. In fact, everybody else has got to come in between as a mediator. He's so far away that Mary and her parents, then all the rest of the saints have to come in between God and men so that they can be sure that they are noticed. But all of this is Satan's invention. He's not far. He's not far enough away to get a single relation in between him and me or between him and you. He's that close to you today. That's why you can rejoice. That's why you can be anxious about nothing because God is near. He's near to each one of us. Remembering that the word is Christ, we read, the word is nigh unto thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Is Christ so near as that? Indeed he is, for he himself says, behold, I stand at the door and... It is not alone to the good that he is near, but he's not far from every one of us, Acts says. That God who dwells on high is to be found only in the depths. And that's exactly where we are. We're in the depths already, and therefore God is not far from every one of us. 
Christ is not far even from wicked men and is waiting for them to recognize his nearness so he can direct them in all their ways. In nothing is the love of Christ shown more fully than in his dwelling with sinful men and enduring all their hatefulness in order that by his patience he may win them from their evil ways. God comes down that we may go up. We don't have time to look at the great canonic statement of Christ coming down, emptying himself in Philippians chapter 2, but maybe think about it a little this afternoon. Man in his sinless nature was made a little lower than the angels and then by sin stepped a little lower Even so, Jesus, that he might bring man back to the glory of God and his love followed him down there and partook of that nature and even died with him as well as for him in his sinful human nature. He was numbered with the transgressors. Think about it. He died as a malefactor between two malefactors. This is love. Christ became one of us. He became us. The Gospel of Leviticus illustrates it. The nearest of kin was the only one that could redeem, right? Not a near of kin. He had to be the nearest. And he had to be able. And Christ was both and is both. He's the nearest and he is able today. So instead of being farther away from us than the angels and the cherubim and the seraphim, he is the very nearest to us of all persons in the universe. Oh, I hope you sense that nearness. You'll need that nearness. If you haven't needed it yet, you'll need it going forward. Note the fact that Christ took our flesh and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That means a great deal more than there was just a good man who lived then and set us a good example. He was the second father, the representative of humanity. And it was when Jesus Christ took our human nature and was born of a woman that humanity and divinity were joined. It was then that Jesus Christ gave himself not simply for the human family, but to the human family. That is to say, Jesus joined himself to humanity. And he still is joined to us because even now there is a divine human man in heaven, our high priest, Jesus Christ. Tell you the story to close. And it's a touching story. A lady in the book of Luke is spoken of. Luke speaks of this lady in his gospel. She's in the crowd and she says, This blessed is the mother who gave you birth, Jesus, and the one who nursed you. As the woman looked upon Jesus and heard his teachings, there arose in that mother's heart a feeling of what a wonderful blessing it must be to to be so closely united to Jesus. 
What did he reply? He said this. He said, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Because they are united, every one of them to him, just as a mother is to her own child. That is, by the very closest ties possible in this world is every son of God united to Jesus Christ as a brother, his father, his savior, and his redeemer. Let's pray. Oh, Father, indeed, we have so much to rejoice about today. Our lips should continually be praising you for your great love for us. And we're so grateful that as this passage goes on, it speaks of peace, peace coming through prayer and supplication. And that again, we, can, we need not be anxious about anything because you, dear Jesus, our Savior, our brother, our representative, our Father, you're near. You're right by our side. In fact, you're here in our hearts and minds today. So go with us from this service. Encourage, strengthen us in that nearness that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You do not slumber or sleep, and you're our God. And we love you because you have first loved us. Thank you for it. In Jesus' precious and saving merits and name we pray. Amen.